number two. Puff, puff, pass the popcorn. Welcome back. You're in it. We're You're here for it. it. You showed up for it. For some reason, you came back for more. You did. So we're here to give you more. Give the people what they want, which turns out is actually more than mom. So thanks. <laughs> if you listen to it, thank you so uh, much. <laughs> so there's people that Donnie works with who listen to it that I don't even know. And that's weird to me. <laughs> but oh, no, don't leave. Tight. Don't leave. Put, no leave, only stay. Only stay. Um, yeah, so if you guys listen to episode one and you came back for this bullshit again, thanks. You get a gold star. Gold stars for everyone. For you. Um, did you have anyone tell you anything that they thought we should have mentioned about the menu? Just curious. No, I think people wanted us to mention less. <laughs> oh. um, no, not actually. Um, Donnie said that he really, well, let's all take this with a grain of salt because he's my husband. But Donnie's feedback was that he really, he liked the way that we did it because it was really easy for him to visualize the scenes. And he is someone who doesn't necessarily enjoy movies like the menu so i thought that i thought that was very honest feedback i i hope that he would give me honest feedback at this point in our relationship um i what actually did, what did i got a note from a co-worker um shout out to mr wonderful alex he actually connected the dots about the fact that you know when they were paying for that meal in that situation that was just like one extra layer or level to the full cultiness that was um you know the whole situation he's just like yeah that's it that's how they make their money it doesn't matter it's just the principle of the cult or something like that my bad if i misquoted you listen i've smoked since then um i told him if we end up doing a hundredth episode we'll redo the menu completely because he was super into that movie and wanted to talk about it more so we'll so i'll see you in a year yeah, me year, Alex. I am super worried because we picked a really fucking good movie to start with. But I'm worried um, that like we started high and now we're just gonna plummet face first into the ground. <laughs> well, let's crash and burn with some flair then, because honestly, this movie, Malignant, I don't feel like it's like a lesser movie or anything. I feel like it's different in like uh, uh. a lot of aspects. And this actually took me for a whole ride. I felt all oh, of the no. emotions. I, oh, I have a lot of opinions about it. I I just been so I procrastinated. I didn't watch it last night. Like I said, I was going to. I actually woke up this morning, did a little wake and bake, took mm. some notes, and now here we are, ready to get fresh into it. And I've just spent the middle of the afternoon just stewing about like what a mind fuck this movie is and how many different things it tried to accomplish and did so well. Um, but yeah. I'm, so, I'm ready. So I just want to preface this. If for some reason... James Wan, if you're listening <laughs> to this, which there's no way he ever is, but James Wan, if you have found yourselves on the corner of the internet that you have made it to Puff Puff Pass the Popcorn, if at any point I say that you're a cokehead or I imply that you do hard drugs, your mouth right now. 
I'm I don't mean it. That's just how insane this movie is. So James Wan, take it as a compliment, please, because I love you. <laughs> Can I just say so far the themes in the second movie that we've done is an absurd amount of bangs. Why does everybody have so much bangs? I literally stopped mid-movie to look up the years that we did that they uh recorded both movies, and I'm just like, okay, it's one year apart, but dang, the bangs gang is Do you mean do you mean bangs it. or do you mean bangs? <laughs> Bananganangs. Bayang. <laughs> so the wigs in this movie are in. Dude, literally, my notes say wigs on point. Bayang wigs on wig. point. <laughs> wigs on point. Wigs on point. They spared no expense. We're going to spend think, 40 mil on lace fronts. Don't worry I, about it. I actually think they did spare expenses on wigs because. They're a little awful. <laughs> I actually... This is a wig podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Should we talk about this fucking movie? Let's go, man. I just, I gotta say, the opening, just like this whole... I mean, this movie's got everything. We've got a psych ward with, like, children, apparently... And it was giving me, like, Stranger Things vibe, like, especially just from, like, the, I guess, marketing of the movie and, like, the extra, like, red on black type of thing. And they, you know, wanted to play on that, which I really, I, I liked it. But why is there a zoo tranquilizer gun in the children's research facility? <laughs> Opening okay. scene. Okay. What are we doing? Yeah. So in case you missed the hint, um, the movie we watched this week is oh, shit. Malignant. I mean, you said it, but we didn't like officially introduce it. It's um, Malignant. Malignant 2021, I believe. This was one of those weird COVID pandemic movies. There were a couple really good movies that were released around this time that just did not do super well because movie theaters were closed obviously and this movie is one of them this movie only did like two million dollars in the box office and they were like fuck it send this shit to hbo max so i think it's i think it's a little underrepresented it's described as an innovative horror film about a young woman whose shocking visions are in fact terrifying reality and that is the understatement of the century <laughs> it's accurate but an understatement do you want to talk about James Wan now or James Wan after? Um, let's James just Wan. let's just open with James Wan. Um, so also the director of the four Insidious movies, um, mm -hmm. the Conjuring series, which was that also four? I think I only got super into the first three. I think it's more than that because it includes like all the Annabelle movies too. I'm gonna look it up. And also um, my all-time favorite, Saw. I don't know all-time favorite favorite, but I do have a special place in my heart for Saw movies. I like oh, an Easter egg. I like if you're going to go back to the same movie within your next seven movies type of thing. Like any way you can overlay, overlay it, interweave it, put it together, here for it. How many movies did you think were in The Conjuring universe? Uh, my best guesstimation is four. You're incredibly wrong. It's eight. Uh, Again, James Wan is a cokehead. <laughs> no, so no. we've got The Conjuring, Annabelle, The Conjuring 2, Annabelle Creation, The Nun. Oh, I'm going to butcher this. The Curse of La Llorona? 
Sharona. Yeah. My Sharona. The curse of my Sharona. Terrible joke. I'm cutting it out. (laughs) (laughs) And then Annabelle comes home and the conjuring, the devil made me do it. All James Wan's got his magical little fingers all up in the conjuring universe. Um, Also Akilah Cooper. Do you know anything about Akilah Cooper? I have a feeling you're about to tell me more. I can if you'd like. So Akilah Cooper did the uh, screenplay and the story for this, but she has also worked on American Horror Story and apparently Star Trek, which I know some people are really into Star Trek. I don't think we are those people. It's not I respect it. Couldn't be me. Mm -hmm. Um, More recently, Akilah Cooper worked on the Megan movie, and that one was pretty good. I still have yet to watch it because I thought we were considering doing that movie for the podcast. So we can. And I actually haven't, I hadn't seen Malignant before today either. So I'm so glad you were, you were extra fresh. There weren't really any super recognizable actors for me in this movie. I did a the deep IMDB dive. um, And basically there, there was some crossover with, uh, some of the Annabelle movies and maybe one yes. Insidious movie, stuff like that. And then mm-hmm. some other stuff that I hadn't really heard of the most, but I mean, still good for these guys. Yeah. I would love to, I don't want a sequel for this at all because I think it would not do well and it would, it would I'd malign it. the beautiful name of, oh, f- fucking, of course I would. Don't, don't come at me like that. Of course I'd watch it. But I think people wouldn't take it as seriously as they would a prequel. And well, that's like I mean, with- the same way they're not going to take that sixth Saw movie as seriously. <laughs> exactly. Like, we're just doing Russian roulette with people at this point. <laughs> right. Well, and with, with, like, The Orphan, which is not a James Wan bo- movie, but it's another incredible horror movie, that prequel did really good. Because everyone was like, we need to fucking find out more about this weird little bitch. So I feel like it's the same thing with Maddie. about the orphan movie where she was actually like 30 or something like that? Yes. And that's based on a true fucking story. Isn't that wild? Caitlin, what did you smoke for this movie? Mm -hmm. It was a pre-roll. It was a little shorty guy, but it was super extra infused again. The wake and bake aspect of it was super nice. And I mm. like wanted to enjoy this thing throughout totally. I got the munchies halfway through for some snacks. Um, there was a lot of TV yelling actually. And mm-hmm. the uh, abbreviation WTF is apparent throughout my notes. It's just running rampant in there. But no, so I smoked some uh, wedding cake flour uh, that was infused with a live resin vanilla frosting. um, Little hybrid diamond encrusted pre-roll courtesy of Purist. And yeah, but no, it was super extra fuzzy wuzzy looking on the outside. And um, I was lit. Yeah, I usually don't wake up bake, but it was a good time. Honestly, like the fact that he wanted to do like the homage to, you know, some of his former movies, like it was prevalent throughout, mm-hmm. like just with the imagery in itself, um, which I thought was honestly really beautiful because I was like getting vibes of this and that. And I also liked how this movie was, it set you up for like, you know, your basic jump scares um, mm-hmm. in horror movies that, you know, where things are going to be like, ooh, spooky. Um, but it didn't actually follow through on those <laughs> really ADZ setups. It was like following up, little crescendo type of thing. Like it might be a jump scare and then nothing. 
And then you turn around and like 20, 30 seconds later, there's absolute chaos. It's happening. You have no idea what's going on. The walls are melting. And it's just, man, it's just a ride. It's a good, fun ride to be on if you are, you know, interested in all of those things. Horror nostalgia, uh, new horror twists coming at you, a little bit of zany, brainy, wacky, different sci-fi stuff. And I mean, like this movie is it described as a psychological thriller or do i just want to describe all movies that way no you just want to describe all movies that way but it's not it's tagged as a horror movie well it's good and i think honestly, it's a horror like, thriller so you're getting closer with the thriller franchise oh man <laughs> we um, i will pick i will find like a true thriller movie because you said the menu was a thriller too and i was like no the it fuck it is <laughs> It might have been thrilling for your high ass, but it's not a thriller. <laughs> I will find us a true classic thriller movie for us to watch, and you will be like, "Oh, I get it." That's like saying I'm not gonna that's get like it. That's like saying fucking um, you can't teach this old doc nothing. Oh, that's like saying super bad as a romance movie. <laughs> it is. The menu is a thriller movie. No, the fuck, it's not. <laughs> We're not. We're talking about every movie, but *Malignant* so far. That's true. You were no. high as fuck. *Malignant* it's opens so over basically the Arkham Asylum, <laughs> overlooking the ocean. Um, but it is the Simeon Research Hospital in 1993, complete with grippy socks. So we are introduced to a woman who we get to know as Doctor Weaver. And Dr. Weaver is doing a video diary about someone who we will also come to know as Gabriel. And Dr. Weaver says that Gabriel is getting stronger and more malicious. Someone very creepily comes in and says, he got out again. I was like, what the fuck? So the lights surged and they said that he got all the way to the records room and found his file and that he wants to go home, which I was like, this is all very... I it just I just kept getting like Stranger Things vibes still, and I thought we were gonna have like another Eleven situation. So I actually started watching this movie being pro Gabe. I was like, you know what? I'm here for research baby rights. They also yeah. said that Gabriel was drinking electricity, and I was like, what kind of doctors are you guys? <laughs> and where did fun. you get that trank gun? Yeah, yeah. So. Gabriel is thrashing around in the records room fighting with someone and the staff gets out the hilariously huge trank dart gun to shoot him with and it even had like little pink like a little pink feather thingy on the end. God, I love Hollywood. Like they literally just googled trank dart clip art <laughs> and James Wan was like make that props department. The The guy who shoots him or who tries to shoot him first, gets his whole ass arm broken in half through the door. And at this moment, which is, I don't know, 47 seconds in, we're like, oh, <laughs> shit, it's one of those movies. This kid's not playing around. This, not elect playing around. this electricity drinking child is on the move. He is drunk on electricity. <laughs> So Dr. Weaver grabs the gun from the, the broken-armed staff member and shoots Gabriel with the trank gun, and the guards strap him onto a chair. 
Dr. Weaver tells him he's been a bad, bad boy, which I was like, is this, am I, did I accidentally turn on porn? Like, what am I doing? Oh my God. You've been a bad, bad boy. I was like, how fucking old is Gabriel? This is inappropriate. <laughs> People who have that type of relationship with talking to kids and stuff, I feel like usually aren't around kids that much. Yeah. As yeah. someone who is around children 40 plus hours a week, please just talk to kids like they're humans because they are humans <laughs> <laughs> and you don't have to. And what do we figure? He was like eight in this scene. And she's like, you've been a bad, bad boy. I'm like, dude, this kid's in like fourth grade. Don't talk to him like that. <laughs> anyway, Gabriel comes over the radio through a bunch of static and says, I will kill you all, which is apparently the first time they've heard him speak. It's cool. And <laughs> yeah. We see Gabriel's face just for a brief second through like a plastic sheet that's just kind of dangling there. And he looks like a straight up fucking alien. They did a good job making his whole face look like a brain. Or like mm. what's the lady cop refers to him as uh, what's his name from the Goonies? Yeah. Yeah. She said it. Am I supposed to put a bolo on sloth from the Goonies? <laughs> I wrote that line down because I was like, that's fucking great. It's a good one. It's a good one. Yeah. So Dr. Weaver says, it's time to cut out the cancer. And I was like, damn, bitch. Like, Chill. The, all, all of it between, it, it's all very dramatic. It's very drama. And I yeah. feel like the another theme throughout this movie is you're not 100% sure what's going on. And we're going to switch to different scenes with different people we might not introduce. Mm. But don't worry, you'll figure it out later when this yeah. whole train crashes. Um, but, yeah. it's, but it's a good time. So it's just like, okay, what? What? what cancer? What is happening? What are we going? Yeah. Yeah. Um, what did you think about the opening credits? I really liked it. I'm actually glad you brought it up because I really like a bunch of random spooky images for like two solid minutes roll open credits put me into the vibe with some weird music of what it is you're trying to accomplish here so mm -hmm. here for that i got big american horror story vibes from this which mm -hmm. makes sense because akila cooper american horror story that checks out that makes a lot of sense also this is a fun fact, which I'm I'm already dipping into my fun facts, but the entire opening credits gives away the whole movie. You word know, I, I rewatched it twice in the moment. I'm gonna go rewatch it here in word in for hour. word. It says yeah. like absorbed in utero, parasitic twin, brain surgery. <laughs> it gives the whole thing away. Yeah. The whole nine. And they um, show images, they show clips of the brain surgery from cutting out the cancer so that's wild that, yeah. that foreshadowing is was so low-key i had just smoked so i was really lit like i noticed that i was not paying attention all the way and i actually like had to put my phone down go back <laughs> to the movie i rewound the credits and watched the second time the first time i watched this movie i didn't really pick up on the credits because I was so much like, what the fuck is going on in this movie? Mm -hmm. But on the rewatch, as I was watching the opening credits, I just thought like, dude, they were fucking feeding it to you on a silver platter and your dumbass was just confused. I look game game drinking electricity. <laughs> so the next scene opens looking over this like gorgeous little beautiful Victorian home and an older station wagon, but it says it's present day. And this 
this kind of immediately pissed me off because at first I was like, oh, we're in like the 80s, maybe early 90s. Today's no. today. Today's today. <laughs> so I was a little, and there was another scene where I was like, she's listening to this old ass radio. And I was like, what fucking year is it? <laughs> she's just nostalgic. She is, yeah. Uh, she, being our main character, Maddie, was pretty pregnant and dressed in scrubs as she's getting out of the car. And she looks like she's in pain as she's walking inside and around the house. And her sack of absolute dog shit husband, Derek, is watching TV in their bedroom upstairs. And they, you know, greet each other and they have a conversation about how he thought she was on the late shift and she said no. I came home early because the baby was giving her a hard time. So he tells her that maybe she shouldn't be working, but she says it's fine as she turns off the TV to rest. And her turning off the TV really pisses him the fuck off. And he says, maybe you need to stop getting pregnant. And then he asked, how many times do I have to watch my children die inside of you? Yeah, no, he's, they very obviously in a short amount of time paint him as uh, an abusive sack of shit. And I just kept screaming, dump his ass, just dump again and ass. again, um, until things started to uh, escalate. Dump his ass. Oh, yeah. yeah. He deserved it. <laughs> anyway, they are in a full-blown argument, and he straight up slams Maddie's head into the wall and her skull bounces off the wall like it was a freaking basketball and he starts apologizing and said it was an accident and he didn't mean to and i'm like how do you accidentally dribble someone's head mm -hmm. off the wall yeah no that's just that uh abusive mentality type of you know you you made me do this type mm -hmm. of nonsense that poopy people like that too so she closes the door behind him and she kind of slides down the door after she does so. And there's a huge blood streak all the way down the door and on her hand from the back of her head. And like you said, he says all the typical abuser things when he comes back and she won't let him in. You know, that's not me. I'm trying. I'll do better. I stopped drinking. Like, he's a bitch, bro. Straight up. I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I just got to say, like... Having a medical background and watching this and seeing that her skull is so messed up the way that it is, I just, I have a knack for looking at details like that. Yeah. And I'm like, you don't take a nap after a head injury. Like, yeah. you're concussed. Like, this this type of event and this type of fight that she had with this dude is, like, obviously traumatic. And, like, she falls asleep and she's probably concussed and like that's uh -huh. not a good idea and the back of her head was so cracked open and like the fact that when she sits up there's a pool of blood on her pillow like i'm sorry but you can't wait for stitches like you can't wait more than 24 hours <laughs> like you yeah. have to go get your head sewed up girlfriend but the amount of head blood coming from maddie and she's just like i'll sleep it off <laughs> I'm like, I bitch mean, like no wonder <laughs> The story goes to play out to see why you yeah. could kind of understand why she's not interested in going to the doctor's office. But before you know that, just this whole movie, I was like, you know what you shouldn't do? You know what, you know what's in 
accurate medically here, <laughs> which is not a good uh, mindset to have if you're going into this movie, just saying if you haven't watched it yet and for some reason you decided to listen to this podcast first and then go watch it, um, don't go in with that mindset. So it's nighttime and Maddie is sleeping while the front porch light is kind of flickering and Derek, that sack of shit, is sleeping on the couch, rightfully so. And we kind of hear some clanging and banging in the kitchen, which wakes him up and a blender starts going off. So he goes to investigate. There's also some really cool shots and camera work in this scene that help set up what their house looks like. Mm -hmm. So the fridge also opens on its own and the TV turns on and is turning channels without anyone touching the remote honestly i just wanted to see garbage disposal hands like i really thought that's uh, what was gonna happen i was like give me some saw <laughs> you thought his fingies were gonna get garbage disposed i mean like they showed such a good shot of the inside of that blender i'm just like stick a hand in there but those are yeah. the intrusive thoughts winning if it was saw that would have happened for sure i know but it was just like a little like a little moment just like a little like yeah little little remember Fucking what if it, hey it. what if hey what if <laughs> Instead, what we do see in the light of the TV is someone just fucking sitting on the couch, being creepy, and Derek, this son of a bitch, somehow doesn't immediately freak out, and he goes to turn on a light instead of saying, hey, who the fuck are you and why, <laughs> why are you in my house? Um, <laughs> as he turns on a light, the TV turns off and the person is gone, but you kind of see the couch cushion move up as if someone just stood up off of it. So Derek is looking around for the source of all of these creepy ass sounds. Again, I don't know how he's immediately not freaking out that there's obviously someone in his house. He's got that and, white man caucasity. Yeah, right? He's like, I'm a white man. What are you going to do to me? Well, you're about to fucking find out because the person <laughs> appears right behind him and it looks like they stabbed him in the fucking head and then it just cut scene popped back to maddie who wakes up in a cold sweat in a pool of her own head blood right. she hears something downstairs and she thinks it's derek but as she gets down there she finds his incredibly dead body derek's whole ass neck snapped 90 degree angle as the figure that killed him slowly arises from behind him and starts crawling towards maddie and the limbs are like crackly and creepy and backwards what yeah. the fuck it's weird it's gross and just like the the angle of you know mr man's broke ass neck is just so wonky it's like if you looked all the way up and touched the back of your head to the back of your back <laughs> it's more than that and, it's and like and that. then it's twisted also to like 90 degrees like to the right and fully backwards it's that neck broke fucking neck was at a 90 degree <laughs> angle that shit was wild it was big broke that's a big broke neck maddie's idea to get away from this fucking creepy crackly possessed person is her house in her house is to go up the stairs she did try to run out the front door first i'll give her that but the thing slammed the door closed and then she's yeah. like okay then i'll get upstairs so i mean uh, we got a little bit me personally I would let that slide. I would yeet myself out of a window if that was me. But then again, what we come to know about this movie, I don't think we can blame anything on Maddie. No. 
She's in the bathroom. She's trying to hide. She's holding the door closed as it's being pounded on. I don't know if you noticed this, but no one was pounding on the door. Like there was just nothing but space there. So it was just kind of being pounded in by nothing. And then it's eventually yeah. blown in. She's thrown back, falls on her side. Boom. Smacks that noggin again this is what like her third no second head this injury? is the second major head injury she's sustained and um i took notes about that because that's a problem <laughs> but hey at least she wakes up in the hospital right 10 minutes into the movie two major head injuries but thank god she's at the fucking hospital but before we see her at the hospital we meet the detectives who arrive on the scene around 4 a.m um, detectives Kakoa Shaw and Regina Moss, which I also loved this like little diversity moment. You know, we had a we had a black female detective, which I love. And the officer who first responded to the scene was saying it was a home invasion reported by the neighbors after they heard screaming and called 911. Although he did say there was no forced entry. So I don't know if it was a home invasion. I mean, we don't know. It was, we know it wasn't a home invasion, obviously. Oh, we also get introduced to that really cute little CSI girl who is, like, going around God. taking pictures and doing evidence and stuff like that. And uh, Detective Moss actually indicates that she's, like, interested in Detective, what is it, Kakoa? Yeah. <laughs> and she's just, like, like a little bit too weirdly interested. And yeah. she's like, I've never seen anything like this before. I mean, maybe in a car accident, but this is weird. Look at this man's broken neck. And, like, that kind of weird excitement, like... I don't know. I just get it. <laughs> Why did they make her so thirsty? <laughs> like, <laughs> Listen, you found love at work. You get it. Yeah, that's true. I I had originally written down the the presence of the cute crime scene investigation girl, but then as I was going through my notes, I just took it out, and as I took it out, it didn't change the notes or the movie at all. So it literally adds nothing other than her just being thirsty and Detective Kakoa being hot. Like, that's all that You're it fine. adds is pointing out that he's hot. Which, I mean, anyone with eyeballs, am I right? <laughs> <laughs> so at the hospital, Maddie wakes up confused and scared, obviously. She's looking for Derek and her sister, uh, Sydney, is there. And fills her in on what happened. Maddie kind of reaches down for her stomach, which is unfortunately absent of the previously present uh, little fetus baby. And Maddie starts losing her shit, rightfully so. The HIPAA violation alone for the doctor <laughs> to tell uh, Detective Kakoa about her medical history with her like yeah. recent miscarriages, uh, then who just turns around and straight blabs it to her sister Sid, and Sid's like, "Oh, I didn't really know. Like Derek kept us apart." It plays out this whole dynamic in a way that I don't believe is medically accurate. <laughs> I'm so glad that you brought up HIPAA because when Detective Kakoa and Sydney are talking about Maddie's miscarriages. I was like, why the fuck do you two know these things while she's because like... Because of a HIPAA violation. She's like vegged out on the bed and she hasn't talked in days and y'all are just fucking talking about her miscarriages? That's fucked. I, what I loved is when Detective Kakoa came back to kind of check in with Maddie as she was like vegged out... Sydney comes in dressed as a whole ass princess, which again, yes. 
so fucking random and unnecessary. Like they could have just made her it's work perfect. at a fast food place, but mm -mm. she comes in dressed as the princess. <laughs> no, I really like that, you know, they portrayed her character as like someone who works as like a daytime princess also you know there's hints about maybe she's like an expiring actress mm -hmm. who's not doing so great or something like that because i think it just it kind of makes sense why she takes on the role that she does throughout the movie of yeah. being such a great lead and just like i can do it it doesn't matter i don't care how ridiculous i look yeah. i'm gonna go i'm gonna do stuff i'm gonna figure out this is my sister i'm gonna hold yeah. down for her I I specifically really like Sydney's character because younger siblings aren't always thought of as being able to take care of things and to take care of like family business and there's lots of movies and shows where like something happens and the older sibling has to take care of everything like it's always older siblings that have to take care of everything so I kind of like that she's a literal princess younger sister and she's just like yeah, I'm still figuring my fucking life out and what I want to do with myself, but my sister's also going through some shit right now, so I got to be here for her. And I thought that was wholesome, so take your fucking eye rolls back, Caitlin, because I would do the same thing for you. No, I If you I had a parasitic twin in your skull, <laughs> I would be there for you. <laughs> I don't disagree with anything you said. I think the analysis is right on. I do think there is, you know, like a basic trope so like i said maddie is awake she's been awake for two days but she's not really responding to anyone she's just kind of staring out of the window and sydney says she's been like that for a while hasn't really eaten anything so shaw is asking sydney questions about the alleged break-in and sydney said she doesn't really know anything because Derek kept them apart and like you said before shaw's asking questions basically looking to confirm that this isn't her first miscarriage massive HIPAA violation and they're just talking about all of the the trauma and reproductive trauma that she's been through which sydney had no idea about which i thought was sad fucking good that derek's dead honestly we're all thinking it let's just say it again randomly cutting scenes now we're in a morgue <laughs> and <laughs> detective regina moss is there and she says there's no fingerprints on the body but all of the hand patterns are upside down as if the perp was hanging from the ceiling. And Regina also says that she talked to the neighbors who knew that Derek was abusive towards Maddie, which like, fuck you guys for not calling sooner, honestly. Regina thinks that this is motive and kind of hints at believing that Maddie is the one who killed Derek. So once again, cutting scenes two weeks yep. later. Maddie is home and she takes a nice little bath moment and after the bath she's looking out her window and she sees a light across the street flickering which I keep pointing that out because it is relevant. There's a lot of flickery lights going on in this to the point where you think like ooh is this Gabriel person like maybe like a ghost or like a poltergeist yeah. like is that the case which is misleading. I mean, we know he drinks electricity, so yes. it's just like, spooky dookie, Gabe's here. <laughs> hey, it's me, your boy, Gabe. <laughs> I think the point, I mean, the whole purpose of this movie was to be misleading because it helps with the the twist literally right in the last 10 minutes of the movie. It's good. 
Maddie sees someone standing in the street, although it is kind of hard to see. And the person disappeared like as soon as the street light turned on. Her inside lights are flickering too. And she's just fucking straight up tripping. She's running around the house, locking doors, closing curtains. And I'm sorry. If why is your door not locked? Lock your fucking door. To be fair though, a door she already locked completely bonk thuds open. So like obviously the locks don't matter. Um, and the camera switches to like this really cool overhead view. Love of the aerial view. It was so cool of her running through the house. Another really good way to just set up their environment. So we're able to see like how fucked she is as she's running around. <laughs> Honestly, like she's got a big old Scooby-Doo style house. So she was running around away from this dude. It was, it was a neat scene. I liked it. So the next day, uh, little sis Sydney comes over and Maddie tells Sydney what happened, like what actually happened in that fight with Derek and about her head being basketballed off the straight up wall. And Sydney says the best sister thing ever. She said, like, no one deserves to die that way, but seriously, fuck him. Just spitting the truth out here. And Max. also, like, in this scene, Sid enters through the window. Like, because guess who decided, guess who remembered to lock their front door? Um, it was Madison. And then Sid's like, hey, you're not answering your front door. So I'm going to climb up onto like the second story just to be like, hi, hello, how are you doing? You cannot ignore my calls, which is great. And then I think Madison says like the most ridiculous thing ever to her about like, I just really wanted to know what it was like to have someone who was blood related to me. And that seemed so insulting to me. I was like, you cannot dismiss a woman who's going to try and drag, you know, a casserole your mom made through your second story window to check on you. Like, Literally. where are your priorities, ma'am? Also, like Maddie, baby girl, if you're listening. <laughs> Stop saying blood connection. It's creepy. You're not going to find a good man like that. Man, and she, also, like, have you heard of Blood Brothers? Like, <laughs> you could do that. So, yeah, the, the whole reason she wanted to have a baby is because she wanted to know what it was like to have a blood connection, whatever the fuck that means. Blood. And it's at this point where we learn that Maddie was adopted when she was eight and that her uh, bio mom died during birth and Sydney didn't know about either of these. She didn't know her sister was adopted. She didn't know bio mom was dead. So Sydney is like the epitome of shock and awe in this scene. She's like, whoa, what? I also like how it's like a reverse surprise too, because it's normally like the you're adopted surprise, but it's the I'm adopted surprise. But I also like that they showed how surprised that she was because like she thought that her whole life her sister was a blood connection sister. <laughs> And she finds out that, like, no one's told her this her whole life. So, like, if I found out that either of us were adopted, shock and awe from me, too, which, honestly, one of us might be. <laughs> Mom. I wouldn't be surprised, honestly. Now's the time to tell I us. would just ignore it. I yeah, I'd be like, on with my oh, life. we're fucking doing this now? Okay, we'll just ignore it in a few years like everyone did with I'm COVID. not a vampire. <laughs> I'm not as obsessed with blood. <laughs> Speaking of vampires, you want to talk about old Seattle's underground? <laughs> yeah, it's a real life place. They offer real life tours. They went there. I, they might have shot on site. I might be making that up. 
I hope um, they did. But I really, I really love how we just jumped to this random, like old historical site type of thing, and we're in the middle of like a guided tour, do a little lights flicker type of situation, and the woman who's leading the tour is just like, "Ooh, spooky! See, like this underground place is haunted." And if you happen to use any of this for footage for another um, reel on our Instagram page, my current background right now is actually a a picture from the Seattle Underground. So she's in the tunnels. <laughs> Secret tunnel. <laughs> yeah. So we're fucking cut to old Seattle's underground, and it's like blood connection. I'm adopted. My bio mom is dead you're in the Seattle underground tunnels and just my, my neck felt like Derek's neck just broken in half from the whiplash. <laughs> like the fuck are we doing now? James Wan, warn a bitch first. Hold on, hold on. It, it, it keeps going. It gets better. Anyway, this fucking little tour guide, she like hears a bunch of noises and stuff as she's closing up. And she says like, um, you can't be down here, which the ghosts don't care if that's what it is. She gets creeped out by a few more noises, and instead of fucking, like, booking it out of there, she runs back towards the noise to turn the lights on. Uh, what? M maybe. <laughs> Just it didn't maybe. make sense. So she hears something above her and looks up as someone with a bloody face, like, oh, my gotcha, bitch, jumps down from the ceiling. Very scary. Which... Jumping down from the ceiling will be an ongoing theme, as well as electricity. Our underground tour guide is now tied up in, like, an attic-type space. And it gives me such cool Saw vibes of, like, you're waking up, you're tied to the rafters in a dirty, crusty old attic with spider webs everywhere, and you don't know what's happening or who's there, but there's a figure, like, rummaging in the back or on some shelves and with some shit, and I just really liked it, the callback there. I was just like, ooh. Wake me you, up chained to a fucking bath, to, to a toilet or a bathtub or whatever it was. God, I wonder if you could do like one of those Airbnb experiences for a crusty, dusty, musty attic. It'd <laughs> be great. I think uh, you're just going to get the Seattle underground. <laughs> That's it. That's all the crust, dust, and must we can handle around here. You think they'll sponsor us? Probably not. There is a Sacramento underground tour, though. They might. They won't. <laughs> Let's go. So the tour guide is in this creepy, crusty, dusty, musty attic and watches someone put on gloves and a very sketchy trench coat. We finally find out that it's that little fucker Gabriel because he comes mm -hmm. over the radio and tells her he's waited so long for this moment. But he said, not first. Or no, funny. <laughs> He said, not yet. First, Dr. Weaver. And I was like, oh, shit. You know, look at that bitch, too. Our scene, once again, it cuts to Dr. Weaver answering a phone call in her house. And it's Gabriel mm -hmm. saying, ha ha, gotcha, bitch. Uno reverse. It's time to cut out the cancer. <laughs> Did and you get scream vibes from all of Gabriel's phone calls? No, I actually got jigsaw vibes. I'm embarrassed for myself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're talking about I how did you make a note. <laughs> I did make a note somewhere else about how I was getting a jigsaw vibe from him, but man. It's not hot. in the sense that like he's creating really elaborate games and like fucking with people and leading them to their death, but just 
the calling people and the creepiness and that level of like, what's up, motherfucker? <laughs> I was like, ooh. <laughs> so Dr. Weaver is confused and she seems like she doesn't know who it is. But as soon as they're done on the phone, she immediately goes to her patient file or her patient logs and starts looking for a file. So I feel like she knew exactly who the fuck it was on the phone, which we find out she knows who the fuck it was. And also, I'm sorry, but her patient files are actually patient scrapbooks. These things are messy. There is no labs notes. There is no imaging tab. There is just like little weird cutout pictures of her patients from here, hither and yon and all that type of stuff. And somebody says like, oh, she's in, you know, child reconstruction surgery or something like that, which makes sense why she would have a lot of pictures there. But I don't understand why the pictures that she had were so like old. Like it just, it really gave me scrapbook vibes for yeah. sure. Does not look like a patient file. So we're back with Maddie and she's listening to a very old school radio for some reason. The light starts flickering again and the radio static starts to pick up. Maddie goes down to her laundry room and as she's walking down the stairs, someone just like scurries across the hallway and startles her. Scared the fuck out of me. Honestly, I don't know how it didn't scare her it, more. It's a callback to the insidious child sprint. Like the yeah. in the movie Insidious where the kid is just like skipping down, like running throughout the house and you're just like, what in the actual hell is happening? But Loving again, all these callbacks here. Someone is in her house and she's like, oh, what the fuck? Mm -hmm. Let me just go do my laundry. She doesn't think like, let me immediately call the police because my husband was just murdered in this house. She's like, man, I really got to just get my whites done for tomorrow. <laughs> she does look around for a second as the electricity surges, which hurts her head for some reason. I mean, it makes sense knowing what we know at the end, but at the time, like, what the fuck? Why does your head hurt? She, she grabs from a central. Yeah. And we do see that the back of her head is bleeding again. Um, she's putting clothes in the washing machine and she turns and looks at the washing machine door and sees fucking Dr. Weaver like screaming in the reflection of the door like it's a crystal ball or some shit. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Of course, Maddie doesn't know that this is Dr. Weaver, so she's like, who the fuck are you? Why are you in my house? It does look like Dr. Weaver is actually in her house and not just like a reflection in the washing machine door. And all of a sudden, Maddie can't move as she watches Dr. Gabriel pick up Dr. Weaver and slam her into the ground. And then all of a sudden, the house around her just like melts away and mm -hmm. she's transported to Dr. Weaver's house, still unable to move. Yeah, Gabriel, those, those walls bubbled right away. So Gabriel comes over the TV and says, it's time to cut out the cancer. Rah. <laughs> and <laughs> Dr. Weaver's suspicions confirmed. It's me. Ya boy, Gabriel. Maddie watches just absolutely fucking horrified as Gabriel wrecks dr weaver's shit i he just kept her. saying you gonna hella get stabbed the whole time <laughs> like it was just it was just a matter of time and she did hella get stabbed which she, is, got, she got hella stabbed with her <laughs> own like little award too <laughs> this little golden knife trophy thing that mm -hmm. was for surgical excellence so i mean obviously he's mad about like the surgery thing 
and uh, Maddie bah! screams, and then somehow she's back in her house, just bitch's head bleeding all over the floor again. I was like, we're still not gonna like go back to the ER and like see what's wrong with that little dog. Mm-hmm. Not this girl. Not no way. I mean, not no. Not in this economy with the cost of insurance. Are you joking? He's <laughs> like, I, I'm good with five TBIs. After that is when I have to worry about my personality changing. <laughs> so the scene cuts to detectives at Dr. Weaver's house. And the crime scene analysts are recovering the murder weapon. The top of which is missing. Which is when I think that cute crime scene girl says, like, aren't we all looking for our upper half? Like, <laughs> you, you thirsty. Go on Tinder. <laughs> And they're all hypothesizing that they think it's the same person who killed Derek just based on the brutality alone. And Kakoa has all of the patient records and journals from uh, Dr. Weaver's work in child reconstructive surgery packed up so he can go through them. Yeah, he just takes all the scrapbooks to Seattle PD just to have a light read. We're back with Gabriel in his creepy little attic nest turning the surgical trophy into this crazy sharp golden knife thingy as the Seattle underground chick is working on getting her hands free. And Gabriel just fucking, yeah, yeets the knife into the boards right next to her face to get her to stop. And man, he must have really worked hard on sharpening that because he's got a hobby. The poltergeist has a hobby and it's uh, forging knives. It went into that solid wood like butter yeah like what right next to the the tourist lady who again she was in seattle underground she woke up in an attic we're all confused i don't know how his little diy murder weapon just like is so solid good for you he should open an etsy shop honestly (laughs) (laughs) he should go on that netflix uh show knife or die with that thing Oh, yeah. He would have killed with that. No pun intended. (laughs) I hate myself. Why? (laughs) You definitely intended that pun. No, I couldn't stop it as I was saying it. Back at Maddie's house, she's just vomiting in the bathroom. She is throwing up as the news that's on the TV is playing a report of Dr. Weaver's murder. So Sydney was like, did you know her or something? Like, why are you tripping? What's going on? Maddie says that she didn't, but she saw Dr. Weaver die somehow and that it was the same guy that attacked her and Derek. She was trying to describe what it was like being there and here, meaning her house and Dr. Weaver's house at the same time. And Sydney's just like, okay, mm, okay, sh- 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 yeah, 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 sh- be quiet. We'll figure it out. You're fucking crazy. We'll figure it out, though. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, you want to you wanna believe your, you know, sister who's going through a mental trauma and, you know, some seriously heavy shit and, like, what is it, a third miscarriage or something like that. So she just says the perfect thing thing of like, yeah, let's figure it out later. Or we'll figure it out. I am really glad this movie wasn't like, surprise, she's just super mentally ill because I hate those movies that's surprise it's mental illness because it it makes people afraid of others with mental illnesses and Mm -hmm. it makes... I don't know, it just, like, vilifies, especially the more severe mental illnesses, like, you know, schizophrenia, bipolar disorder, BPD, like, all of that people are just terrified of because of the media. So I'm glad it wasn't just, like, surprise, she's schizophrenic, because I would have, 
we would it, not be discussing this movie. If yeah, no, but it does actually add an extra layer of horror to this movie of like, okay. is she just, you know, having her own personal freak out due to all of her recent and previous head traumas and all that stuff. So Regina and Kekola are in the station looking through Dr. Weaver's files and Detective Kekola picks up a photo of a little girl with long brown hair and bangs that was left out on Dr. Weaver's desk the night that she was murdered. And he just randomly asked someone like, oh, age this up for me about 30 years. I don't think that's how it works. I think it's, I think it's more complicated than that. <laughs> I don't know. Is there a company that does that? Do they have to outsource that? Hard to tell. The scene cuts once again to just some old white dude walking around in his little pajama set. And he's talking to someone on the phone about Dr. Weaver and how tragic her death was. And he said all she ever did was help people. And the other person says something on the other line that we can't hear. And he tells them, oh, don't bring up Simeon. That was a different time. So some sketchy shit definitely went down there. His phone cuts out and his window's like wide fucking open during a rainstorm. Which like I get that you live in Seattle, but can we talk about the bust that would be in your home from that? What I hate about that scene is this guy falls right into the trap of being your typical dumb person in a horror movie characterization like he sees this this window's open it's raining it's getting water all over the floor they cut to the floor there's like maybe footsteps of the water uh -huh. like walking into his closet uh -huh. and this ding dong grabs a towel out of the closet cleans up the floor before he closes the window and then like throws a towel back in the closet like sticks his dumb head out the window to be like i wonder what's happening and then then closes the window and i'm like in what world would you not close your window first before you clean up the rain off of your floor so in what it had world? that really it had that really classic move of like let's just throw you a dumb one real quick you know what i've always thought the moment i see those wet footprints i'm gonna be like oh shoot i have to go get a towel act like i'm going to get a towel from the kitchen and i grab my keys and i'm fucking gone and, and I like, burn the house go. down behind me. <laughs> I'm fucking done. If I see footprints in my house that I know are not from my feet, bitch, we're done. I'm just, I think that all the time. I'm like, literally just, just drive away. <laughs> the moment you see a creepy thing, just be like, drive yes, away. okay, fucking goodbye. <laughs> I'm gone. <laughs> yeah, old white dude wasted way too much time. He's looking out the window, window wide open. The curtains kind of blow billow back in the wind and we see gabriel standing in this dude's room just so ready to rock his shit the man gets in bed turns his lights off and there is a red light outside for some reason that is illuminating his room still it's definitely that... a red neon light across the street yeah for sure. and it's got a real spooky vibe to it gave me stranger things vibes again but i was into it I did notice that it kind of helped tie the scenes together, which James Wan doesn't care about in the rest of this movie, but he did here for some reason, because Maddie is sleeping and she rolls over when a red light starts shining on her face and wakes her up. And she's once again, mystically, magically, mysteriously 
transported and is now in the same bed as the old white dude who of course can't see or hear her as she's like tripping shit again and the room starts to melt around mm -hmm. her and they set up that scene of him like looking around trying to figure out like who might have left those footprints in the water of like you know a nice silent like track a silent score where they're setting you up for a jump scare and then it doesn't happen they show gabe in the room something's about to go down and he lays down and then there's just no scare and then all of a sudden out of nowhere Boom, Madison wakes up. She's laying next to a dude who she don't even know who it is. Like, you're in bed with somebody and, again, transported. Like, what the hell is going on? Yeah, definitely Blue Balls vibes with the jump scares. <laughs> <laughs> so, she's in the bed. She has been melted, wall melted into the wall bed melted. next to him. And yep. she is watching what's happening, even though it, it shows her, like, in the actual bed with him. But, I mean, we know she's not. Mm -hmm. And Gabriel climbs over her, which was fucking terrifying. And he gets his growth. The, the part I hate He's, like, the most dragging the wig on her face. <laughs> the most what I hated most was it's the gross, stringy hair. It was nasty. It just, again, we just got another layer of... Ew, what is happening? That's horrible. Yeah. <laughs> I fucking hate it so much. <laughs> and I I mean, that's not as bad as what he does next, which is his limbs look like they're on fucking backwards as he's straddling this dude and stabbing him with the DIY gold knife thingy. And I can strike killing it, literally. <laughs> Gabriel turns to look at her and has these weird, bloody eye things. Legit looks like an alien. Part of me thought it was an alien movie this whole time. I was like, what if she was like secretly abducted as a child? Uh, James Wan, you heard it here first. The idea for your next movie is yeah, you're welcome. an actual trademark. alien. It's trademark. an alien abduction of her mother. Verbal trademark. It's binding in a state of California. <laughs> Patent pending. I don't know if it is or not. <laughs> so Maddie comes to back in her house and is just fucking screaming bloody murder as her head bleeds all over the place. So we've got we've got some consistency here. Melty room, Gabriel, murder, head blood in that order. So next scene, jumping again. Maddie goes to detectives uh, Kekoa and Regina and tells them that she's seeing the murders as they're happening and that the murderer's face is all messed up. And Sister Sydney somehow talks them into investigating, even though they don't want to believe the visions and maybe Maddie's a psychic, but they're not buying into that at all. Sydney literally says, she's like, don't you guys consult psychics like on cases? And Detective Boss is like, no. Like, are we having this conversation? And she's like, well, but what if you did type of thing? Yeah. And I feel like Sid is just really, like, doing a good job at, you know, trying to, like, give them something to go on, you know? And she's, like, just supporting her sister in the best way she knows how, even if it is talking the cops into <laughs> investigating her sister's visions. And Sydney also says, because she's an actress, you know, she's an mm -hmm. up-and-coming actress, and she also says, well, I played a psychic on a show once. <laughs> <laughs> so I would fucking so she know. Gets she gets it. Yeah, I love that. 
So the detectives do go to investigate. They're like, fine, bet. We've got money to do that. We've got money and time and resources. So they go and they just so happen to discover the old white man's body in bed exactly where Maddie said it would be. And honestly, like, how do they not take her into custody at that moment? Yeah, exactly. Like, how the fuck else would you know? They probably, they probably wouldn't have taken her into custody, but they would have at least done some questioning or interrogating then. IRL. Mm-hmm. And this is when Regina asked Maddie, so I'm supposed to put out a bolo for sloth from the Goonies? <laughs> <laughs> like, that's a fucking great line. <laughs> so good. So at the police station, Maddie kind of goes into the bathroom to splash some water on her face, get herself to like chill the fuck out. And oh no, lights start flickering again. Her phone starts ringing from an unknown number. Of course, it's Gabriel's creepy ass, but he's calling her Emily. So she says, no, sir. My name is Madison. And he was like, your fake mother gave you the name Madison. (laughs) He said, your shit marriage gave you the name Mitchell, which... Point Accurate. Gabriel. Point Gabriel. <laughs> he's, he's not incorrect. He says Maddie knows who he is, even if people say that he's only in her head. And then Gabriel says he's going to make them pay for what they did, at which point she yells, Gabriel, no. And she's like shocked at herself that she knew that she knows who it is. And he's like, see, bitch, gotcha, told you deep down, you've always known, don't be a fake friend. <laughs> She goes back out and grabs Sydney kind of at the same time as the aged photo from before is being given back to Kekoa. And the guy who aged it said, you already saw it though, right? That's why you brought her in? And Kekoa's like, the fuck are you talking about? Looks at the photo, which is a fucking hilariously exact image of Maddie. It's like, they just told Thanks. the actress, all right, stand there. We got to take your picture for this scene. Like, no, <laughs> that's not how aging up photos works at all. It is in Hollywood. We've got confirmation now that Maddie was one of Dr. Weaver's patients by this semi-questionable age-up photo situation. So Maddie and Sydney are going to their mom's house to get some more answers. And Maddie starts asking questions about her adoptions and her childhood And if anyone told her mom that she had a brother or anything like that, her mom said no. So Maddie was like, well, who the hell's Gabriel then? And her mom was like, the fuck? Like that face of like, not Gabe. (laughs) No, not Gabe. Anyone but Gabe. So their mom puts in a video from Maddie's ninth birthday party. And in this home video, Maddie is talking to Gabriel And her mom asks if it's her imaginary friend because there is no one around as she's talking to Gabriel. And Maddie says, no, he isn't made up. And the next home video we see on the tape is at Christmas when their mom is pregnant with Sydney. And the dad kind of zooms in on Maddie talking on this little play phone. And, you know, she says, mommy will still love me when the baby comes. She said nothing would change. Of course, silence. And then she says, no, I won't. You can't make me. Please don't hurt the baby. And i that's when I was like, I want to see that fucking movie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm calling it right now. There's going to be a prequel. There's there's hopefully seven more movies. <laughs> a whole, there's seven more related movies. A whole malignant universe. 
We are back at the police station with Kekoa, and he finds a hollowed out section of Weaver's files, like filled to the brim with USB flash drives labeled E May. And Caitlin, I couldn't help but think when I saw that little situation that you would put your weed in there. Um, I would put my weed in there. And that's why those are patient scrapbooks, not patient files. Yeah, um, yeah facts. Like pressing flowers in a notebook. Like, <laughs> except it's a bunch of USBs full of <laughs> weird videos. Was, wasn't there a VHS tape in there too? Like a couple of those? So, yeah. Kekawa, he does he plugs the USBs in and it's mostly videos that are on there and there's some pictures and stuff. So he's watching Dr. Weaver talk about the seven years that they've had Emily in their care, including the, you know, more recent reports of her seeing visions and hearing thoughts from what Emily reports as the devil. And she said the name of two doctors that she contacted for help and guidance. And Kekoa ties one of them, Dr. Victor Fields, as the old white dude who was just murdered in his pajamas. Meaning that the other doctor that she contacted, Dr. John Gregory, probably up next on Gabriel's kill list. Hat trick. Hat trick. Oh, fuck. You're next. <laughs> You are caller number seven. <laughs> All right, enough. <laughs> so Maddie's back at home brushing her teeth. Uh, she bends over to spit in the sink, but when she stands up, her medicine cabinet mirror is reflecting a totally different old white dude instead of herself, which was dope. The third doctor that we just saw a picture of. Yeah. I, I did rewind that to watch it a couple times because I had missed it once or twice because I accidentally ashed on my own foot at that point. <laughs> so I was like, oh, dang, I missed it. What was the scare? And then the walls are melting. And I'm like, oh, there's so much happening. It's weird because that wasn't even a jump scare. Like, usually mirror jump it was scares. A really smooth transition, yeah, honestly. Usually mirror jump scares like that are a thing in horror movies. So I was like, oh, fuck, something's going to happen. But it was just natural and it makes it even more off-putting because like you're not scared and it's just like oh the fuck we're doing just this like, we're, we're melting the walls again you, yep. you're already aware here we go it's happening yep so melty bathroom she's transported to dr gregory's bathroom where he's straight chilling in the bathtub with a fucking ipad and you know you're rich if you're not worried about having your ipad in the bathtub with you <laughs> he's got that extended warranty yeah, he's like, I got Apple Care Plus. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> Luckily, well, it's not lucky actually, but Kekoa is pulling up at the same time for what it's worth because he knows that, like, oh shit, homeboy's next. And he enters the house looking for Dr. Gregory, but he's there just a smidge too late and finds uh, Dr. Gregory's ass very dead in the bathtub. Super dead, stabbed to death. Gabriel, still there, once again, ah, descends <laughs> from the ceiling on top of Kekoa, and Kekoa finally sees the fucked up face and the creepy murder weapon at the same time, so he knows this is it, sloth from the Goonies. And honestly, at this point in time is when I started to doubt that Gabe is a ghost or an entity or like a poltergeist, where I'm just like, this is like... This is a physical dude. He just attacked this detective. Like this is a person. Yes. 
like like this is a physical man. So Gabriel whoop, yeets himself out the window and he is slamming down on the fire escape doing like parkour and shit to get down to the ground. So much parkour. At the, so I went from thinking that like he was some sort of human physical entity to being like absolutely not what kind of weird superhuman super soldier backwards limbs contortionist fucking freak is this dude Kakoa takes one jump from the fire escape onto a dumpster and he was like oh my shoulder <laughs> Seattle's finest ladies and gentlemen <laughs> Gabriel, absolutely unfazed. He's just fucking booking it down the streets of Seattle. And Kekoa manages to run after him, even after hurting his little elbow on the dumpster. And they end up in the underground tunnels from before, which is also Caitlin's Zoom background right now. Amazing place for a chase scene. I was very happy with it. Honestly, and, like, didn't they end up in some place that was housing a bunch of, like, old carriages and stuff like that? Yeah. That was so cool. So that has to be part of the Seattle Underground thing, probably because of, like, you know, history. We're going to and... have to do a GoFundMe trip. For oh, you know, go, go to the Seattle Underground tunnels and nowhere okay. else. We're not going to the Space Needle. We're not going anywhere special. We're just going underground tunnels coming back. <laughs> Maybe the fish market. Nope. Nope. <laughs> not. Don't you dare say we're going to the first Starbucks because we're not. We're going to the Seattle Underground Tunnels and then we're leaving. <laughs> so Gabriel, he's yeeting himself through piles of brick and rubble like he's a fucking toddler in a foam pit. Like, I don't know how Kekua is keeping up somehow because at one point he loses him in the storage house filled with all the old carriage buggy things but i don't know if you saw it was flooded but also foggy somehow down there yeah where the carriages were and i was like what maybe it's just dusty no it was foggy it was like fog machine level foggy I missed that part. I was just Whatever. hung up on how cool those carriages looked. And I was thinking about wanting to ride in one. Oh, I know that. I was getting Titanic vibes. And I was like, are they going to fuck in the <laughs> carriage? <laughs> Gabe's just does like the longest lace front wig hair flip. Yeah, right. Near, far, wherever you are. So Gabriel's weird ass, of course, was on top of one of the carriages with his creepy, shiny little golden trophy murder weapon. And he <laughs> jumped on Kekawa again. This aerial is our assault. third aerial assault. <laughs> and then Gabriel just like scales up the wall like, like a little creepy lizard and just climbs into a random hole in the ceiling and is gone. How does he know these tunnels so well is beyond me. So then in the next scene, after he just skitters into the darkness, um, they're at Maddie's house. The cops are at Maddie's house, and they're, like, explaining to her about what they found in her scrapbook file about her past and her history at this research facility and, like, what they, like, learned about her, which, again, like... 
doesn't seem like it's their place, uh, but we're doing it anyways. Yeah, and part of it was that, you know, they know that all of these murder victims were her old doctors and that she was mm -hmm. actually born Emily May. And for some reason, they're like, you know, we've got this hypnotherapist if you'd like. And she's like, I don't really know about that. And they're like, well, too fucking bad. <laughs> you never know. It might unlock something. I for love you. it. And I love it how uh, the detectives were like, we're not going to go follow up on a lead based on your psychic vision. <laughs> and then here we are like, we strongly recommend hypnotherapy. <laughs> Like yeah. of all the like occultish things that the police department doesn't want to do, like they're gonna go full bore into a hypnotherapy moment, right? And listen, I don't know how hypnotherapy works, but I know it's not like this. I know this is not how it goes. If we're talking about inaccuracies in this movie, I'd like to add hypnotherapy to that. What list. are you? Are you a licensed hypnotherapist? Just because you have a pocket watch doesn't mean you're Maddie just like all of a sudden goes under hypnosis. And she's while she's under, she's describing seeing a hospital and says that her new parents are there to take her to her new home. But Gabriel, little sneaky son of a bitch, snuck his ass home with her too. And he says that he's a friend, but she's the only one who can see him. So when she does something bad, she's the one who gets in trouble. And we get, go figure, another cutscene, And we see child Maddie slash Emily sitting in her room crying. And that play phone from before rings. She answers it and tells him to go away. And says, but she's sleeping. It seems like Gabriel is telling her to do something to, like, surprise her parents. So she grabs a knife from the kitchen and she goes up to this like baby shower or gender reveal cake. And it looks like she's going to cut a piece of the cake. And Gabriel's creepy voice is like, cut it, cut it. But then the melty room. But then cake melties away. And all of a sudden, Maddie's standing with this knife, holding it not over a cake, but her mother's pregnant stomach. Where Sydney is actively being baked actively being baked in mama's pregnant belly and the shadow work in this was so fucking cool by the way with the knife on the wall it was mm -hmm. really dope mm -hmm. but her mom luckily immediately wakes up she drops the knife doesn't cut baby sydney out of mom's tummy all good there and adult narrow hypnotized <laughs> yeah right narrow narrowly escaped adult hypnotized maddie is tripping shit yelling like it was gabriel it was gabriel it wasn't me so luckily the hypnotist brought her back at least that was like semi-ethical she literally and, just booped her on the forehead and was like yeah she was back. like boop, boop and you're back <laughs> like no <laughs> no like follow up to that like traumatic you know hypnotherapy session or whatever it was fine super ethical <laughs> So Maddie says that she remembers everything that happened and said that the killer said his name was Gabriel, her Gabriel. And Regina says, are you saying the killer was your imaginary friend? Regina thinks she's batshit crazy at this point. The next part of this movie, wildest fucking part, and it's when things really start to kick up. The Seattle underground woman lady, lady. finally breaks free. And she's looking around for Gabriel, trying to be like, oh, fuck, where the fuck is he? Am I able to get out of here? So she falls through the fucking ground. 
into Maddie's house with the cops and the hypnotist. She was in Maddie's attic? The whole time. The whole time. The whole time. I'm tripping about it. Now, I was tripping about it. Then, I'll be tripping about that forever. That was like... (laughs) I shock and awe like i truly have no words right now yeah so absolutely crazy rightfully so the cops take maddie away they're like you had a woman in your attic that's kind of some evidence now that's not just like a fantasy make-believe vision or uh like hypnotherapy documentation like this is real life evidence so yeah she had a missing person in her attic as well as Gabriel's jacket, gloves, and the DIY murder weapon. So everyone was like, ooh, this is... Good timing, Gabe. Good timing. This is a spicy equation. (laughs) Things are not looking good for our homegirl right now. Regina's like, bitch, I know from day one. And in questioning Maddie, just points out everything that they found. And she says, you had Jeffrey Dahmer's workshop in your attic. Not wrong. Why did they make Regina so funny? She's got so many good one-liners. So as Regina's pressing Maddie in an interrogation room, the lights are flickering kind of as Maddie is becoming escalated and getting more upset, and the lights, boom, burst. And Kekoa gets a call from an unknown number, and Maddie really creepily says, he wants to talk to you. I was like, what the fuck, bitch? Stop incriminating yourself. Like... Cool. I mean, at that point, if the all the lights blew up in the interrogation room, they don't have anything on record anymore. So as they're talking, Gabriel says, dumb bitch, didn't even know I was nesting in her home. I was like, rude. That's not a sass. Nice. You guys are friends, I thought. Gabriel's real sassy over the phone. So Kekoa asks, obviously, who the fuck is this? Who am I talking to? And Gabriel says, oh, I thought she already told you. I'm a figment of her imagination. And I was like, why is he being sarcastic right now? And he then, you know, tells Kekoa, ask Maddie what she used to call me. And Maddie says that she used to call him the devil, which makes sense. Because before, she was talking about hearing and seeing things from the devil to Dr. Weaver. Cut to Sydney, who is taking her cute, happy little ass up to Sydney and Research Hospital, which has apparently been boarded up since the 90s. So I don't know what she thinks she's going to find there. She parks really hilariously close to the edge of the cliff. Okay. No, they Did show you see that. Whole, they show this whole scene of her driving up to this like beautiful fucking like castle shit on the edge of the sea which looks like hogwarts research facility for electric (laughs) boys and psychic girls and she like pulls all the way up to this parking spot where she's like two inches uh of her front bumper away from a steep cliff drop off into the freaking ocean and i'm just like you know what she she's parking erratically however she is doing so much damn legwork like in this movie of just trying to find evidence like advocating for her sister and just like doing the absolute most shit that she can being a badass fucking daytime princess daytime princess carried this team on her fucking back like she's doing all the work while maddie is just I don't know, exploding lights with her mind? Like, <laughs> I don't even Hard know if that's how it works. She's doing yeah. melty wall activities. 
So luckily, Sydney sees on the floor directory that the record storage is in the basement, which, like, of fucking course it is. <laughs> she even <laughs> sighs and says, of course. Luckily, Sydney does find Maddie slash Emily's old file and a videotape somehow, which you'd think if they boarded this place up, they would have at least cleared out the records room. Whatever. Again, HIPAA. Taking that out for this movie. Yeah, fuck HIPAA. <laughs> So Sydney takes all this stuff to her mom's house and on the videotape is more information about Maddie's birth mother, whose name is Serena, who is very obviously not dead because she is talking on camera here. We learn that Maddie was a child of rape, which is really sad and traumatic for everyone involved. Mm -hmm. And that Serena was 15 at the time she put Maddie up for adoption in an interview with Serena, she says that she doesn't know how to take care of them, that he is an abomination, and asks them specifically to look after Emily. And Maddie's mom is, like, doing my thing where she's yelling at this VHS recording, screaming at the TV, going, you know, they told me she died in labor. What the hell is this? This is Maddie's mom? What? What is happening? This is crap. And... I get it. I feel it. Yeah. They they did a lot of lying, but what else do you expect from 90s research facility doing experiments on children? They are really playing it fast and loose with the term research. It's like saying lobotomies were research. Were they? No, it wasn't. <laughs> no. They took notes, but that doesn't mean it's research. Yeah, no. Notes are, well, they're a vegetable now. <laughs> That's not a note. You ruined a human being. Anyway, this is a lobotomy podcast now. <laughs> Meanwhile, back at the hospital. <laughs> <laughs> Please keep that. For real, though. Meanwhile, at the hospital, uh, detectives Kekko and Regina discovered that the Seattle underground tour guide that fell through Maddie's attic. Well, well what is Serena, Maddie slash Emily's mother? Um, Maddie's all the actual pieces. birth mother. Maddie's birth mom. Yeah, not dead. So, I mean, her adoptive mom was... A whole nother twist. Yeah, another twist. All the pieces fell together so fast. I can't control my whiplash. And I'm like, James Swan, please have mercy on my neck. <laughs> it hurts. <laughs> Don't do me like you did, Derek. Sydney and her mom are watching a tape session with Maddie slash Emily from when she was at the Simeon Research Hospital. And the interviewer is trying to ask questions without getting Gabriel's input. And Emily says that Gabriel has been telling her to do things like hurt people. They even say that she attacked someone twice her size because Gabriel apparently makes her strong, which eventually makes sense why he's just been like eating himself around all of Seattle and is like not getting injured at all because he's super strong. Weaver then says that she's going to wake him up. And the camera moves around behind Emily and we see the most ridiculous and shocking raptor creature coming out of her back and the back of her head, finally giving us confirmation. It's like a that, baby Voldemort on the back yeah. of her head, honestly. Yeah. With with raptor claws for sure, for sure. But like yeah. also a little mini torso too, like in between <laughs> her shoulder blades. Like it is visually disturbing. Uh-huh. 
But we finally have confirmation that Gabriel is physically attached to Maddie, at least at this point. As a child, again, mm -hmm. in the VHS videos that we found in the in the basement. So Dr. Weaver describes that Gabriel is like an extreme version of a teratoma, which is, what is that? What does she say? It's like a tumor, basically, with like teeth and hair and eyes and shit. Yeah, like a teratoma is um, like when a embryo is developing in fetal stages, um, you can have different parts of cells that start to form like body parts that are like not where they're supposed to be type of thing. So like people can have like tumors in their stomach that have like hair and teeth and stuff like that that they find later on. But um, Dr. Weaver does say that this is an extreme case in which this whole entire baby alien on the back of Maddie's <laughs> head, they're like sharing brain cells and like Gabriel is able to like make Maddie have visions of her just thinking that she's like living her normal life type of thing. Mm -hmm. And when in all actuality, like he is in control of her body, which is terrifying. Yeah. I mean, he's, it's horrific. The whole thing. He's in control of parts of her brain, which means he can be in control of what she's seeing and what she's doing which perfectly describes the weird little melty room vision she's been having lately. Yeah. So we cut back to Maddie, who's in jail. I don't understand how she's in jail, because she was in an interrogation room mm -hmm. with Detective Kekoa and Detective Regina mm -hmm. as Gabriel called and was like, gotcha, bitch, I'm the murderer. And they were like, we're just going to lock you up. Even though she's standing there, obviously not making the phone call. Yeah, but they still put her in lockup just to hold her, probably so they can go, I don't know, do what it is that detectives do. We need, to talk about, we need to talk about the other women that were in this jail. Okay, so stereotypes galore. Um, Oozing with have, stereotypes. Um, we have my favorite, the really classic, like, uh, 70s black girl with, like, a beautiful fro. She's got a jumper on that has, like a, like, a really wide flare. It's loud. It's yellow. It's everything that I want out of, like, a 70s chick action flick. Again, what year is it currently? <laughs> it's, no, it's present day, and um, she's a vibe. Um, we've also got the really uh you know thick white butch lady in prison who's got <laughs> the uh the mullet going on real hardcore a uh, little bit of shaved up sides which are nice and then there's just a bunch of th those are like the two main yeah. women that they are portraying um that are having the most interactions with maddie in this um like holding cell scene and then there's a lot of other you know women just in there chilling around you know doing their doing their thing doing what you do like there's a girl taking a piss too but um they start giving her shit for immediately being, being rich or something because she's like i don't want any trouble i don't belong here and then they just like you know gang up on her and they're like what are you fucking rich as if everyone who's in jail <laughs> doesn't say i don't belong here you've made a mistake i didn't do this. yeah maddie's protesting pretty loud and she's like you know let me out she's like clinging onto the bars and stuff very yeah. very classic 
the moment they start messing with Maddie, we now know that Gabriel's in there too. So we know some shit is about to pop the fuck off. So as soon as this was yeah. happening, I was like, oh, let's fucking go. Oh, and I, I don't know if we mentioned it, but like within those videos that we saw on the VHS, um, Dr. Weaver was saying, you know, okay, so Gabriel is drawing power from Maddie. So it's time to cut the cancer out. And they kind of show these uh, scenes or, you know, cut around these scenes of them actually removing his little, like, <laughs> his velociraptor claws and his face and all this shit. And they did mention that there is one part of his brain that was stuck to her brain that they needed to keep type of thing. So they cut all the physical part of Gabriel off of the back of Madison, yeeted it to the street, and like shoved that one part of her brain into her skull, sewed her back up, and like called it a day. When we see Gabriel make his grand little entrance back in the women's jail, he just like Maddie just opens up a little fucking trapdoor skull flap on the back of her head, and he's like, ba ba ba. Like, he just fucking mm -hmm. pops out. Yeah, First and, time and around, I was terrified at this. Second time around, I could not stop laughing. I was like, it's <laughs> fucking wild. James Wan, straight to federal prison for you. <laughs> uh, you know, and in the middle of all this, we, we cut again at some point to a scene of Sid driving in her car fast as hell, like, trying to... I think get to Ma get to the hospital to mm -hmm. find uh, Maddie's birth mom, mm -hmm. and she's on the phone with Detective Kakoa, and she's like trying to explain that like when Maddie had her head busted open by uh, Derek, like against the wall in their house in that first fight scene that the movie opened with, um, that released. Gabriel or something like that so she's just been all this bleeding out of her head that she's been doing has just been like this dude trying to crawl his way back out of the back of her skull it's so much <laughs> so much we're doing so much here and I'm here for it honestly I also, it's excessive I don't know where Sydney got that hypothesis from because she's just like this she's smart as shit that's I am now a neuroscientist, and this is what <laughs> happened. Anyway, Gabriel just starts killing bitches left and right. Yeah, Gabriel is like center. born out of the back of uh, Maddie's head in the prison. It's terrifying. It's chilling. Uh, everyone, all the women in the prison are freaking out. <laughs> They're like, what the actual fuck is happening? And then we see Maddie's body start to like twist and contort. And she's just like basically doing everything backwards to the point where like Gabe in the back of her head is running the show now. So he's like using her arms to like dick around and like reach behind her to fight other people uh -huh. in there. Uh -huh. And he just starts... Merkin people, left, right, center. We're doing like open fractures on the arms. We throw our entire fist just through the center torso of one woman. The whole, the whole shebang, man. The whole thing, and like um, the the white. He stomped on someone's head. He's he right on someone's head. Yeah, 
and then the the white butch woman who was you know given maddie a hard time originally is like screaming with her head hanging out of the bars now going somebody get in here and maddie ends up killing her too obviously but when a guard does come in gabe is able to use maddie's hands to reach through the bars like disarm this guard and crack his skull open and grab the keys and escape at that moment i was like that's it all hell is gonna break loose like the lion has broken out of the zoo we're done <laughs> and then they just and then yeah again just through the zoo we go or through the seattle police department just like so many places there, of the fight scene of this gabriel person just wielding these weird angles of joints at people to fight them disarm them use other cops as like a body shield to take um bullets like while he's trying to move himself out of this i mean it was very action scene but the most apparent thing throughout this is that the joint angles are weird and the wig mm -hmm. twirls are on point there were so many wig wig twirls and, and, and like trench coat also, swooshes it, in the costuming of this all as well like we've got a fake what appears to be like silicone mold of maddie's face too like <laughs> that's obviously like on the now back of gabriel's head while we're whirling and twirling around this absolutely absurd scene oh yeah he goes full fucking psycho yeah the costumes are wild the fight choreography is wild at one point there is a crab walk scene uh -huh. too that is chilling you know the person who was doing the stunts as gabriel i guess i should say or playing gabriel's body is a uh like a contortionist and like an aerial artist good stuff but yeah so anyways gabriel mercs all these cops um actually, so many cops i couldn't keep count because i was yeah. trying to keep like a death count and when i got to this point i was like i'll death count okay. on another movie not this movie <laughs> Um, but yeah, at one point ends up slicing uh, Detective Moss's stomach open with the pointy uh, sword thing that they snagged out of lockup too, because might as well rummage around the evidence room while you're, you know, free balling in yeah. the police well, department. Well, that, that was the whole reason why he broke back in was to get his shit. Because even before, I when just they want were... my cool knife that I made. It's sentimental. He made it. He put a lot of work into it. I mean. <laughs> I would want it back too. Like, you know, it makes sense. I have a half finished cross stitch that I am really emotionally attached to. <laughs> but I haven't killed anyone with it. <laughs> yeah, he goes to make his way to the hospital, I believe, with the intent to kill Maddie's uh, birth mother, mm -hmm. um, who is still there. I mean, I'm not over the cop scene, though. He ripped off one cop's arm and threw it at another cop. He was like, <laughs> the whole, it's, it's so, it's so absurd. Yeah. If that is the only part of the movie that you watch, then so be it. It's around the one the hour and 30 matters. minute mark. So at the hospital, Gabriel takes out the security guard who's watching his mother in a very, I don't want to say hilarious way because a life was lost, but he starts fucking with the electricity and makes the pacemaker in the guard's heart literally explode. And I was like, point for creativity. Fucked up, but point Gabriel once again. <laughs> point James Wan. 
Point James Wan, yeah. Point James Wan, not Point Gabriel. Uh, Sydney's there too for some fucking reason. I don't know why she didn't stay well, she anywhere safe. Try and make sure that Maddie's birth mother was going to be okay because okay. she thought Gabe was going after him, type of thing. And she was trying to meet the cops there just to like make sure she was still alive and Gabriel hadn't got to her yet. Yeah. I think I just have a really strong sense of uh, self preservation that I would be like, fuck you all. You know where you're, you will never find me? A Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> Gabriel would not. That would be the last place he would think to find me. So I'm going to go to my local 24-hour Dunkin' Donuts. And I'm going to wait this out until Maddie calls me. And you fucking figure it out. <laughs> no, it's got way too much, like, BDE going on to, like, let anything slide. Like, she's, yeah. she's like, God damn it, I got to fix this, too. For my boomers listening, BDE is big dick energy. Oh <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Gabriel's just fucking closing in on Sydney while Maddie is just stuck in the upside down watching. Yeah. Serena... And she's doing her own vision thing now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Serena wakes up and asks Gabriel to forgive her and says that she shouldn't have given him away, which I thought was sweet. And Kekoa comes in, and he's shooting first, asking questions and figuring shit out later. I was like, whoa, chill, dude. Uh, Sydney grabs the gun, and Gabriel yeets a hospital bed at her. And Caitlin, I need to know, how much do you think hospital beds weigh? Mm, plenty. You shouldn't be able to easily yeet that shit. They're not easily eatable because they weigh anywhere from 200 to 600 pounds. <laughs> Oh, we obviously don't know. You know, Sid Sid's in this room and she tells she's talking to Maddie, trying to talk to Maddie, even though Gabe's in there going crazy, eating beds. And she says, like, Maddie, I know you're in there. You got to come out. Gabe's ruining your whole life. He was the cause of your miscarriages. And once again, she's sharing her hypotheses with zero research. <laughs> She doesn't seem wrong, though, is the thing. No, she doesn't. I just love that, like, throughout all this craziness and the trauma and the shit that's happening, she's like, I have, I've figured it out. I, I know what's going on. <laughs> I've seen the way. E Derek smashing your head woke him up. Gabriel's causing your miscarriages. She's like, I've got this shit on lock. You don't have to worry about me. <laughs> Gabe and the detective... They have a little kerfuffle. Gabe up, ends up with a gun and ends up shooting Sid in the head. Yeah. And then he goes and suffocated his mother. Mm -hmm. But surprise, uh, the fetus thing pissed Maddie off enough that she is able to come back and make him see the weird, melty, fake visions. So uh, Sydney and Serena are actually okay. And Gabriel's just like, slumped dangling there um talking to maddie in their a cut scene mind. of what is essentially like the void of their shared mind mm -hmm. like black background and maddie locks him in her mind prison and there's literal prison bars in the mind prison for why reason. wouldn't there be 
like James Wan is just like, let's wrap this shit up. We need them to understand the metaphor. It's a mind prison, put actual prison bars so they can get it. Maddie wins. Gabe's in the mind prison. We're going to lock that in. No more Gabe. And then he just kind of like sucks back into her skull and just poof. He's gone. Yeah, no. <laughs> just like that. He, he does Lola's physically <laughs> does physically sink back into her skull and you can see like, you yeah. know, her her wig reforming around. Yeah. Maddie goes to lift the hospital bed off of Sydney and Sydney's like, "No, it's too heavy." Maddie really dramatically says, "It's always been my body." So if he was able to lift it, then so am I. And I was like, "Sis, you just confessed to murder with that sentence." And then she brings up a blood connection again. Stop She's like, I don't care if we don't have a blood connection. You're still my sister. I'll still Stop do anything for you. talking about blood connections. Also, if you want a blood connection, your fucking mom is in the bed right there. Go talk about <laughs> blood connections with your mom. <laughs> fucking weirdo. <laughs> uh, she what a twist. She never went to go be like, hi, I'm Maddie. Like, Nice to meet you. No, because she has her sister, Sid, who has done the absolute fucking most, who was just crushed yeah. by a bed, who she's she's got to, you know, it's her turn to step up and take care of her sister now. But I would want to meet the mother that later gave me up for adoption, especially later. if she's just sitting right there. You're right, later. Way the later. sequel that James Wan is going to make. Movie ends with the camera panning over to a lamp on the desk and all of a sudden the bulb ever so slightly does a little like and uh so that motherfucker gabriel still there still Still alive still in maddie's head yeah letters from mind prison oh man no wonder maddie didn't want to go to the doctor one fucking time in this whole movie because she is a dangled freak she got a whole ass situation going on well, I think she didn't know when it was Gabriel that was taking over parts of her mind, being like, no, bitch, you don't need to go to the Well, I mean, hospital. like, the the mental diagnoses and studies done on her for the first eight years, like, no wonder she's never going to talk to a doctor again. Yeah, right? She's like, oh, my skull's cracked open? I'm good. For yeah. something tells me to not, even though I can't remember anything, I know to not. That's a good point, because, I mean, even even with, like... Uh, real life trauma so not like James Wan type of trauma <laughs> you can go through things as a child and forget it happens but there's like the saying you know like the body holds the trauma like or the body keeps count you know and like you part of you knows like what happened to you so yeah I think you're right it's very possible that she felt icky about doctors what a crazy fucking movie honestly there were twists yeah. there were turns we didn't know if it was mental illness or a ghost or uh, a Voldemort velociraptor on the back of her head who was using her fucking elbows to stab people and then show her what was actually happening, maybe accidentally through visions. It was so fucking oh wild. Gosh. So I saved my snack until the end to talk about because I'm trying to pick snacks that are related to the movie that we're watching, even if just tangentially. The first movie we watched, The Menu, incredibly easy because it was about a restaurant and food. This movie, no one ate anything the entire time. <laughs> so I couldn't be like, well, they're eating Alfredo. I guess I'll eat Alfredo. No, not an option. 
So I was like, what fucking themes are in this movie? And uh, childhood and imaginary friends. And I was like, you know what reminds me of my childhood is pepperoni pizza. <laughs> so <laughs> it, was a, it was a hop, skip, and a jump away from any logic in our first episode. But um, I made pepperoni pizza uh, roll-ups on like little croissant dough thingies. And I put like garlic butter and Parmesan cheese on it. And they were so fucking good. Ooh. And Donnie made homemade ranch. Mm, Donnie's homemade ranch. It was so good. Uh, I guess I can put the recipe in the show notes because it's a little more complicated than my first snack, which was my little s'mores thingy. So I can put it in the episode notes. Uh, not the ranch, though. You guys can fuck off. That's Donnie's secret <laughs> recipe. <laughs> So, uh, what did High Kate think of this movie? I just really loved a lot of the callback imagery, again, to Insidious. Saw children sprinting around, waking up in unknown places randomly. Um, I watched, like, the little, like, behind-the-scenes type of thing, too. I couldn't help myself. And, you know, it turns out a lot of the inspiration for this movie was based on night terrors, which I think is so funny because that explains how, like, you're suddenly frozen, unable to move, watching terrible things happen around you type of stuff, and how James Wan just twisted it into a homage to former movies but at the same time putting crazy new spins twists ideas that is obviously you know kind of cutting edge um in like the horror genre and you know he definitely gave himself a lot to work with there to the point where like we said he could make seven more movies out of this <laughs> off of you know the concept if he wanted to but overall i was just blown away so i was loving like oh it's just like you know watching a regular old horror movie but then at the same time i'm like okay what the fuck is actually happening yeah and it, it messed with my brain um which was fun yeah um i really liked that type of like oh this is a new kind of horror movie type of thing um i don't know if necessarily it was a new kind of horror movie because it felt it did feel very james wan and there was a twist at the end which i love this movie because i love movies with a big twist and um secret parasitic evil brain raptor twin is a huge <laughs> twist secret teratoma twin i think what made it feel like a new type of horror movie was actually because it felt like an old older 80s ish horror movie but done yeah. in like modern day does that make sense no, um, but I kind of get what you're getting at, and I do like it. Just because, like, the idea of, like, um, again, the psychological not-research that they're doing on children just, I don't know, it's, it's, like, Stranger Things vibes to me. It says, like, 80s to me of, like, people doing, you know, illegal underground experiments and stuff like that that maybe is not ethically correct and just, like, seeing what happens. But also, like, maybe... Gabe was also the devil too and like how do you explain that type of yeah. thing good movie good movie what's your what are your final thoughts and your rating final thoughts it's excellent 
I'd watch it again. I feel like the whole movie definitely is like a metaphor for night terrors, which is fun. Um, I mean, night terrors aren't fun, but the concept is fun. And I would say for rating, if we're still doing out of five stars, I would do four out of five stars. I liked it. I had a good time. It kind of reminded me of like that big twist in like Cabin of the Woods type of thing. Mm -hmm. Four so out of five stars. That's a lot. Didn't you? Did you give the menu five out of five? I did. Okay. I don't know if this is because of my rewatch or because I'm just really picky with movies, but for a while I was telling people this was one of my favorite horror movies because I had seen it once and I was like, holy fucking shit, James Wan is a cokehead. That was dope. But the second time I watched it, too much fuckery and like inconsistencies and HIPAA violations for me. <laughs> Like, I loved, loved, loved it the first time. And the second time, I felt like I was hate-watching it. And it just felt too obvious the whole time for me to have a good rewatch value. So it's I think it's being dethroned as my favorite horror movie because I feel like it's a two out of five for me. Oh, wow. Okay. I feel like, and I feel like this being, um, you know, the first time that I've seen this, like there's definitely that shock factor. Like for your first watch, this movie has shock factor out the butthole. And <laughs> for rewatch value, like, I don't know if I would rewatch it. Um, I know you told me that you didn't think Trev was going to like it. And I don't know if I would recommend it to him or not. Um, yeah, but anyone, no. anyone who is a James Wan fan, to just get in there. Just go for it. So if you guys have any suggestions for us for good movies, funny movies, whatever. I'm not super into like rom-com type movies. So don't come to me with that kind of bullshit. But yeah, I don't want open to suggestions. anything Hallmark related. If anyone goes mm -hmm. back to their old hometown during a holiday, stop. Mm -hmm. you can stop at the door. Um, but if you have anything maybe action-y, I've been watching a lot of bad action movies on Netflix yeah. recently. We want to make things that you want to listen to with your ears. So we're right now we're just fucking picking movies that we like. But if you like a movie, we one of us probably likes it too. So just fucking... You can follow us on Instagram at Puff Puff Pass the Popcorn. You sure can. Edu. Thank you guys for listening. Yeah, thanks for tuning in. Tell your friends. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.